cash flow. Item 19, digital marketing, estate planning. If those terms cause you to pause even for a second, this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser. We cover a new topic each week, clearly and concisely. Business insights not piled on you like you are a buffet plate, but each topic broken down and easy to digest. Welcome to Small Bites of Business Insights. Welcome. I'm Kathy and I'm here with Barb. So in this session, Barb, we are going to talk statement of cash flows. So as compared to the balance sheet and income statement, I think the statement of cash flow is the least used and quite frankly, the least understood. Do you agree with that? Yes, definitely. Even when I think back to when I was an accounting student, I remember I thought it was the hardest one to understand. Mm -hmm. But once I got familiar with it and started using it to learn where the cash went, now I wonder how I ever got along without it. Ah, I hope I'm there at the end of this. So (laughs) what can you learn from the statement of cash flow that you can't learn from the balance sheet and income statement? So it starts from this premise that profit and cash are not the same thing. Many profitable companies went out of business because they didn't have the cash to pay the bills. Mm. It's so important that I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to say it again. I'll say it over and over. Profit and cash are not the same thing. And I've seen it myself as a CPA. I give someone their year-end profit and loss, and they look at the bottom line, and they say, if I made that much money, where is it? The statement of cash flow answers that question. So how does it do that? So the top line on the statement of cash flow is the beginning cash balance. So here's what we started with at the beginning of the year, if say we're doing a a one-year statement. Mm -hmm. So then next it shows, and now here's the profit that we made, that number that comes from the income statement. Mm -hmm. But profit is used for other things besides bolstering the cash balance, So the cash flow statement goes on to list all the things that cause differences between profit and cash. So some of those differences might increase cash, provide you with cash, and some of them might use cash. Then they sum up all those differences and look and see what that net change is in the cash balance for the year. Now, remember, the top line was the beginning cash balance, adjust for the change, So the beginning cash balance plus or minus the change equals the ending cash balance, which is the bottom line on that statement. Okay. So can you help us with an example to make it more clear? Sure. Okay. Let's imagine, I love this one. Let's imagine that your P&L says you made $100,000 in profit after tax. Yes. Okay. That's great. You're happy about that, but you don't have $100,000 in extra cash. And you're asking yourself, why not? Because there's things you spent money on that were not on the P&L. Like what? Well, let's just say like a loan payment. So the money goes out, but only the interest in that payment was an expense on the P&L. The payment on the principal was used to reduce the loan balance, the amount that you owed Uh that shows up on the balance sheet. See, it's really not an expense when you pay back the principal on a loan. You're just giving somebody back the money that they gave to you earlier. So it's like, oh, you passed it to me, passing it back. It's a wash. It's not an expense. 
even though you had $100,000 profit, let's say you paid back $60,000 on debts. So now you only ended up with a net cash increase of 40. You can't see that from the P&L. Oh gosh, that sounds so simple. So why do people find the statement of cash flow so hard to understand? Well, because so far we've only talked about one of the many differences between profit and cash, and that was loan payments. There are lots more reasons why profit and cash are not the same thing. Okay. How about you tell us about some of those differences? The statement of cash flow, the way it shows what shows those differences, it organizes it into three different sections. Mm -hmm. And it looks at the differences that are related to operating, Mm -hmm. to investing and to financing. And so in the operating section, you'll see things like changes in the current assets and current liabilities, Mm -hmm. like accounts receivable, inventory and payables. So case in point, when inventory goes up, it -hmm. consumes cash you had to use your cash to invest in that inventory, right? Right. So that's an example of how you use cash to support operations. The investing section shows like if you bought fixed assets, you invested in fixed assets, the things that you bought during the period that you're going to what we call capitalize, that means we're going to record it on the balance sheet and then depreciate it over time. So you had to buy the stuff, right? That didn't even show up on the income statement. And if you paid cash for that, it used cash. So the financing section shows how things were funded through either debt or equity. So if you say you borrowed money Mm -hmm. to buy something or you borrowed money because you ran out of cash, Mm -hmm. that's going to add cash into the bucket. So when you borrow, it gives you cash flow. When you pay it back, it takes cash away. The same thing is true if you if an owner invested the capital instead of a lender, that's going to go in that in, in in that same financing section. An owner could put money into the business if it was short of cash, more likely. That's not the name of the game. The owners say, nope, Barb, that's not why we're here to put money in. We're here to take money out. <laughs> so they might have some distributions or withdrawals or S-corporation dividends, things like that, paying distributions of the profit out to the owners. That would be in that section. So all these ups and downs, they're detailed in these three sections. And this is an eye-opener that you just can't get any other way. Oh, gosh, that's fascinating. Thank you. So you also talked about current assets and current liabilities. Can you give us just a little more detail about how those things impact cash? Yeah, this is the big driver of the differences between profit and cash for many businesses. We refer to these things as a timing difference. So that's when like the cash comes in a different period from when the sale is made. So think about that as a timing difference. So say you make a sale today, but you let your customer carry an account receivable and they don't pay you until 30, 60 or 90 days from now. Right. So when you carry accounts receivable like that, you have a timing difference. Inventory also can create timing differences because like the merchandise that you buy for resale It's not an expense until you actually sell it, right? You still have it. It's sitting on the shelf. When it goes out the door, it becomes an expense. So it's going to impact the cash account when you pay for it, even though it's not an expense on the P&L yet. So we have things happening in cash at a different time 
they're happening in the bank account at a different time than when they're happening on the P&L. So let's use accounts receivable, for example. The accounts receivable on the balance sheet represents sales that were included on the P&L, even though I haven't collected yet from the customer, right? Right. They're going to create that timing difference between profit and cash. Mm -hmm. So here's where it gets a little bit I I don't want to say it's complicated, but it adds a little nuance, let's just say. So at the beginning of the year, you collect some of the sales from the prior year. Those sales weren't on the P&L. So you have the benefit of uh, collections coming in the beginning of the year. And then you have the other thing that's happening was I made sales, say, in December that don't collect until the following year. If those two balances are exactly the same, It doesn't have any impact on cash, right? It's a wash because I'm taking in more than I sold at the beginning. I'm not getting what I haven't collected at the end. And if those two balances are the same, there's no change. But what if my receivables balance actually goes down? Meaning then I collected from customers more credit than they borrowed from me. That's going to give me a positive cash flow, right? It's going to make my cash go up. So when you look at the statement of cash flow, it'll say the changes in accounts receivable, say the increase or decrease in accounts receivable, the increase or decrease in inventory. Because when the receivables go down, we're liquidating them, producing cash. When they go back up, we're making sales that we're not collecting from. So it's going to be a negative impact on cash. And it's those current assets, receivables and inventory that swing like that. And so if you were a business that's growing, mm-hmm. And that means that next year, that receivables balance is going to be bigger than it was at the beginning of the year because our sales are growing Mm -hmm. and we're going to need more inventory. Mm -hmm. So that's why when you're growing a business, it's really easy to run out of cash Mm -hmm. because those things keep getting bigger and bigger and they keep sucking cash. And we can see that on the statement of changes, uh, the statement of cash flow, where you can see those changes. You know, that's so interesting, Barb. It seems like a business that has a lot of these timing differences is dependent upon the accounts receivable, inventory accounts payable, et cetera. How hard is it to create this statement of cash flow with all that timing, all those timing differences in play? Well, I guess this is why when I was an accounting student that um, I thought it was so hard because we had to figure it out. Yeah. Um, we didn't, we couldn't push, we couldn't go to the screen that said, which report do you want and push the button and it would print. We had to figure them out by hand. That kind of tells you when I went to <laughs> accounting school. Um but actually, when I started doing bookkeeping, there actually was a book. <laughs> so let's put it that way. Um, so, but right now it is that simple. You can say most accounting programs have that logic built into them. They know how these things are built. So you can go to which financial report do I want? I can get an income statement. I can get a balance sheet. I can get a statement of cash flow. It's as simple as putting in the dates, January 1st to December 31st. I want to look at what those changes were over the course of a year. I can look at those changes over a month or a quarter. I can put two years side by side and see how my changes are changing differently, right? So it's simple now. It's so simple. The hard part was doing it. The easy part is reading it. But just like everything else, it's hard until you start doing it. So, you know, you just got to get in there and you start using it. And when you get familiar with it, 
like me, you'll say, how did I ever get by without it? Ah, that's so great to hear. Thank you so much for Barbara for that. And I think that you've also helped us understand why certain franchisors have a specific time when a royalty payment is due. And it probably has to do with their statement of cash flow and how all that works out. Absolutely. So thank you so much. You're quite welcome. Thank you to our partner in the financial section of Small Bites of Business Insights, Ms. Barbara Ness. Barbara is the owner of Profit Soup, which is a company that will provide you with training and support for all your financial needs in franchising. Small Bites of Business Insights is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. If you have a question or comment for us, just send us an email at feedback at smallbitesofbusinessinsights.com.